Hey there, just a quick note to let you know that this episode was recorded in 2021. Please keep that in mind as you hear references to this year and last year in this episode. As for women already working in the utility industry, I say challenge the status quo. Focus on the skills for the job and not what the person who has the job currently looks like, or maybe what the 10 people before them even look like. Welcome to another episode of the Women in Utilities podcast. I'm your host, Madhavi Shankarling, and joining me on the show today is Hethel Patel, who is a senior manager at EY. Hethel joins me on the show today to talk about the findings from a survey EY conducted with the power and utilities industry, focusing on digital transformation and the workforce. The findings show that power and utilities leaders recognize the need for reskilling their workforce, but may not have a plan in place to achieve that. We talk about the four steps utilities can take to devise a strategy, as well as what the industry can do to attract and retain more women. For full details on the results, a link to the survey and the white paper are in the show notes. But for now, let's jump into the interview and hear more from Hethel. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Hethel. Thank you for having me as a guest, Madhvi. Could you please tell me a little bit about the organization you work for and what your role is within that? Yeah, absolutely. I am a senior manager in the EY People Advisory Services Practice. Um, And EY is a purpose-driven professional services organization that's focused on helping our clients build a better working world and to help them solve their biggest challenges in, in business. And then within the people advisory services space, for the last eight years or so, I've been specifically focused in the energy space with a heavy concentration in power and utilities. But prior to that, I did do brief stints in automotive and retail. I work specifically with clients to develop and implement creative solutions for their most complex people-related initiatives. So that could be imagining their reorganizational structure, design, and evolve and transform as their business responds to this new energy transition, and then building future skills capabilities in the workforce based on implementation of digital that's happening um, in our world today. And as you and your listeners know really well, there's never really been a more dynamic or exciting time to work in energy. There's a lot going on. Uh, Things like decarbonization and digitalization are megatrends that are causing these energy companies to need to adapt quickly to face the disruptive forces that are happening in the market right now. Mm, Excellent. And I know that you've recently been involved with the EY Power and Utilities Digital Transformation and the Workforce Survey. Could you please tell me a little bit more about this survey? Yeah, absolutely. So, As I said before, the power and utilities industry is really facing a confluence of market disruptions and changes. Um, So in short term, we have to consider, of course, the impacts from the most recent COVID-19 pandemic. And then in the long term, much of the changes that they're going through are driven by the digital agenda and the need for advancements in areas like decarbonization. So what we wanted to do with the survey is understand how power and utility companies were adopting these digital technologies and how those plans were maybe affected by the pandemic, as well as the overall impact to their workforce or skills needed to capture the value from the digital technology that they're implementing, and as well as really understand any accelerators, 
barriers or challenges involved in the overall adoption of their digital investments. So the survey itself was conducted earlier this year, and the respondents consisted of about 159 power and utility executives globally representing renewables, electric, natural gas, water, and other types of utility companies. And they all held a breadth of functional roles from IT to HR to operations, strategy, and digital. So our exposure was pretty broad in terms of who we surveyed to get some of these responses. So from the results of the survey, what were some of the key Mm -hmm. findings Executives who responded to the survey foresee that there are going to be dramatic changes in utilities over the next three years, which which I talked about earlier and I think is a common known fact. New technology advances in the renewable energy space and response to decarbonization rank as the top three drivers of change for the industry. So in order to effectively navigate these dramatic changes that are coming at them, power and utility companies need both people and technology to power the transformation for now and for years to come. So from the survey, we found that nearly all, 94% of the executives, said that their companies need to invest in new technology and to support their organization right now. However, digital adoption and investment without an accompanying skilled workforce will leave them in a very precarious position. So power and utility companies need a clear view of the skills required to succeed, a plan for the upskilling and reskilling that's necessary, and then also a plan to overcome any barriers that are likely to impede their progress against their plan. You talked about some of the skills that will be needed to achieve that digital transformation and and to get to where the executives see utilities heading. What are some of those skills that are needed? Yeah, absolutely. So what we found from the survey is that there are three imperatives for the future of utilities. The first is that utilities don't just need to do digital, they need to be digital. So what do we really mean by this? And what we mean is that the focus on digital adoption and digital skills has to be equal. For example, 91% of the respondents' companies are planning to invest at least a moderate amount, with 45% planning to invest a great deal of money in digital technologies. However, only 48% of those same respondents said that there are too few workers with the right skills. As an example, talking about virtual and augmented reality, Virtual and augmented reality can help simulate critical operations and restore functions to to do things like reduce safety incidents, service disruption, and work inefficiencies overall. However, 73% of utility executives that plan to adopt virtual and augmented reality, out of that, only 38% of them said that they have the skills necessary to leverage that technology effectively. So there seems to be a gap in the amount of investments that are being made in these future state digital technologies and the workforce that's needed to actually get the value and the return on investment for those technologies. And the second thing, and I'll go through this quickly, is each each utility's digital skills will look different. Their needs will look different. So they need to take a magnifying glass to the current capabilities and then look ahead at where the utility wants to go to determine how big the gap is between current and future. 
And despite this recognition that the ability to reskill will determine how successful they are over the next few years, only a staggering 13% of executives agreed that they actually have a plan to do the reskilling. And only 14% agree that the organization has the ability to measure between the skills they have and the skills they need. So what companies really need is a deliberate and holistic plan to address the current shortage of digital skills, as well as a way to regularly measure their skills gap. And this could include things like learning and development program updates to operating model redesign efforts, and even as far as large-scale organizational transformations to meet the unique needs of their organization. Mm -hmm. Lastly, the, the third thing that we talk about is that utilities need to employ strategies to optimize the workforce in the face of inevitable new threats. So what's obvious is that action is needed in the present, and respondents pointed toward an all-in strategy to solving for skills shortages, including building skills in-house, borrowing externally, or buying them in the market. Yet across the 10 strategies to achieve the various ambitions that we asked about, organizations are only in the stage of planning or likely to carry out a strategy to execute on each of those plans. So urgent action needs to be taken, but only about a quarter of them are actually taking that that action now. You talked about the gap between the skills needed by the future utilities workforce and the lack of plans in place to ensure that those skills are obtained or are within the organization. Despite this, do you remain positive that utilities will be able to bridge that gap in the coming years? I do. I'm optimistic that utilities are wanting to understand the things that they can do better or differently to continue to improve their operations and business, but then also make themselves an attractive place to work with ample opportunity for people of all walks of life. So I think when we get clients to respond to surveys like the one that we just did, and then they see the results of those sur- of that survey and statistics, it's encouraged many of our clients to have conversations with us on what we can do to help, on what guidance we can provide or what plans we can help them establish to help close this gap. So the more knowledgeable they are, the more aware they are through surveys like this one and other data that's available in the market, I am encouraged and optimistic that they want to take action to help close this gap and to continue to progress as in terms of operations and business, but also as an attractive place to work for um, for new talent that's entering the market every single day. Fantastic. And that was my other question also around how the results of the survey have been communicated back to the executives at the utilities. Yeah, so absolutely. So we created a pretty thorough um, white paper that lays out all of the results of the survey um, with themes that I talked about with you earlier today. Um, The white paper is extremely valuable and highlights some really interesting statistics from the data. Um, And I can share that with your listeners if you're interested, as well as we've done sort of more one-on-one targeted campaigns with our biggest clients and even some of our smaller clients, to be honest, um, to talk about what we learned in the survey, knowing what we know about them as an organization from working with them and trying to use the two 
pieces of data to come up with unique plans that will help them overcome some of the challenges that are highlighted in the survey. Do you have any thoughts around what utilities and energy can do to attract and retain more women to the industry? There are such positive proven benefits that organizations with diverse workforces experience. The utilities industry is obviously no exception. So similar to what we spoke about previously on the introspection that's needed to identify which digital skills are most valuable, I believe that a similar introspection and awareness is needed on areas where there is a lack of diversity and opportunities for women. And then a plan can be devised on how to address, whether that's through building community or reevaluating recruitment strategies. So I'll give an example. Historically, the field operations leadership teams within a utility are primarily made up of men. Why is that? Well, I think one contributing factor is that the most common progression path is quote unquote through the ranks, which really means that someone starts out as a line worker where the physical demands and the qualifications can really favor men. But then if they're a successful line worker, they become a supervisor, then a manager, a director, VP, and so on. So if we shifted the focus to look at what skills are really needed to be a successful supervisor, manager, director, or VP, versus just assuming that physical field experience is the most important factor, we could create more opportunities for women in that space. And as a result, we could really infuse new ideas, thinking, and behaviors within that organization to drive even more success. Um, And the second thing is building community and creating an inclusive culture is super important. At EY, for example, we have a dedicated internal networking group called EY Women in Energy. And our goal is to promote future women leaders within EY Energy by encouraging networking, mentoring, and increasing building competencies within the sector. And we also want to build that same community to support women in the industry externally with our clients. So we host an annual Women in Power and Utilities Conference, and we've been doing that since 2014. It's a full-day program with prominent women industry speakers and panels addressing things like industry trends and developments, along with offering things like networking opportunities and professional development. Of course, last year, in the face of the pandemic, we pivoted to make that a virtual monthly series, and the response has been tremendous. Attendance nearly doubled because of the access to attend virtually and has grown with attendance from 60 of our country's largest energy providers and related companies. So um, I think there is a huge place for community and community building to continue to increase our presence as women in the energy space. And just a follow-up question on that, Hathel. So you said that utilities would really need to start looking at the skills and experience needed for senior positions versus just progressing through the ranks. Have you seen that shift start to occur? I think it has started to occur in some areas. I think that looking at data and statistics around different parts of the organization and the diversity and the representation of, of all kinds, including women, has clearly initiated the need to take action because the gap is there's awareness around the gap. So I have seen that some of our clients are providing opportunities to do 
learning development roles within places like field operations and maybe even ride along to learn about field operations without the need to physically do the role so that they could gain the experience and the exposure that their peers will respect and understand that when in that position, um, they're not being questioned for whether or not they have enough expertise within the role itself to be able to govern and lead that particular organization. So I think the shift is happening, but it needs to be more deliberate and it needs to happen at all utilities across the globe. Hey there, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this episode, there's a few quick things you can do to show your support. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave me a comment letting me know your thoughts and share this podcast with friends and family. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the interview. What do you enjoy about working in energy and utilities and what keeps you committed to this industry? I actually got into the industry by pure chance. So when I started at EY, there was a role that became available at the same week. And next thing you know, I was at the client site being asked to draft an engagement strategy for the COO. I had no prior experience or even real interest in utilities. I but I haven't looked back since that one role. So what I enjoy the most about working in the utility industry is how much it is evolving and so quickly. So the opportunities to learn, to adapt and to grow feel somewhat endless to me. I keep finding new ways to continue to grow my skill set and to learn more about what it means to operate in this world and to be a leader of people that also operate in this world. And I think what's also interesting that each of our clients really understand that the amount of change that utilities have experienced in the last 10 years and will experience in the next 10 years will far exceed any amount of change that they've experienced in the previous 100 years. With everything going on, I think that is so exciting. Being part of an industry that's in transition forces me and people like me who work in the space to be nimble and encourages the need to be more agile and working on the people side of the whole evolution allows me to tap into sort of my more human side versus my more technical analytical side, which may be required in in non-people related roles as well. And what advice would you have for other women who might be looking to make a career in utilities? The first thing I would say to anyone looking to create a career, including women, is to not overlook utilities as a place of immense career opportunity. A utility organization is robust and varied, and the work that it takes to make power is pretty advanced and complex. So I always think about how much emphasis and effort we are putting towards creating educational and employment opportunities for women in STEM. We want to make more women aware of careers in STEM and make those opportunities accessible to them. Well, you know what industry has such a robust variety of STEM opportunities is the power and utility space. So I think first and foremost, people need to give it um, a second look and make sure that they really understand the variety of roles that could be available to them in the end-to-end process of generating power and getting it to our customers. Um, As for women already working in the utility industry, I say challenge the status quo. 
focus on the skills for the job and not what the person who has the job currently looks like, or maybe what the 10 people before them even look like. If there's an area that interests you, pursue it. Don't be fearful of speaking up, answering questions when you have the answers. And most of all, just ask for what you want. I really, really feel that women are often so much more hesitant than men to ask for what they want or even deserve. And the only way to change that is by practicing. And who or what has helped you to get to where you are? Have you had mentors or role models or champions during your career? So I would be remiss if I didn't say that the people that have done the most, absolute most in helping me get to where I am are my parents. Um, I'm an immigrant. I was born in India and I moved to the United States in grade school. And while the physical move from India to the United States was obviously hard, it was relatively easy for me to adjust to life in a new country because I was so young and I was in school and I was getting exposure to this new world pretty easily. Um, It was really difficult for my parents. They were much older, adapting was much harder. The language barrier was much more significant, but still they did everything they could to to persist. They worked tirelessly and I really wouldn't have had the opportunity to go to college, let alone have a successful consulting career without all of the sacrifices that they made um, after picking up their life in India and moving to the United States. But now that I'm at EY, I am continually grateful that it's such an incredible place to grow my career in the utility space. We have so many opportunities to work with utility clients, and I I find that to be extremely um, encouraging. Our leadership also values knowledge, merit, and they value diversity. I've had so many champions and mentors throughout my journey. And one important thing I think I've learned is that you don't have to rely on any single person to be everything for you. Everyone I've asked has been willing to support me in whatever the way they could or that I needed them to. So I would say diversify your membership portfolio, observe and acquire skills from multiple sources so that they can help you define your unique career and your unique style as well. And there's one other thing that I have also become really passionate about within EY, and that is our power up tool. So just some background for you, as people progress to executive leadership positions within EY, we assign them an executive coach to support them on the journey. This executive coaching program has been going on for decades and has been in EY for a long time. Well, throughout those decades, a few of the executive coaches noticed that there was a pattern in some of the, quote, power diminishing behaviors that they were coaching women on pretty consistently. And they decided that this is something that likely exists amongst most women, and that similar coaching would be valuable for non-executives as well. So they created what we call the power up tool. Power is an acronym, and each letter stands for a different element of power building for women. Um, And the tool deep dives into each of those elements and outlines the power diminishing behaviors that women need to be more aware of so that they can let go of them, as well as replacement power building behaviors that women should employ instead. We circulated this tool throughout EY and led sessions with hundreds of our women colleagues, and it was a huge success. So now we've actually started to host sessions with our clients including some of our biggest utility clients. 
And I always love all the aha moments that I see when women are going through it. It's like all these light bulbs like start going off at the same time. And I think people always feel leaving inspired and just more aware of what they're doing intentionally or unintentionally that could be diminishing their power and what they could be doing instead to continue to build power. Mm, Amazing. Sounds like a fantastic program. And so who or what inspires you? What inspires me the most is when I see people in places and positions that they never thought they would be in. So Michelle Obama, for example, has to be one of those people for me that's amongst the top of the list. Her upbringing, circumstances, even things as simple as the neighborhood she grew up in wasn't the starting script for someone who would be the first African-American first lady. So not only do I admire her intelligence and persistence, like most people do, but her drive to be bigger than what she was expected to be or even assumed to be is what's most inspiring to me. And that's really the same hope that I have for myself, given my upbringing and my background, is I want to make sure that people, especially women and younger girls, can see me in a position that maybe they don't see themselves in because they don't see anyone that looks like them in that position yet. And I want to be in that position so that I can be inspiring for our younger women leaders within utilities and beyond as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't be what you can't see, right? Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Hathel. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. That's a wrap on another episode of the Women in Utilities podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, comment and share this podcast. I'll be back in another month with the next episode. But until then, keep powering on.